Well, good morning, and I cannot think of a more appropriate hope story um, to set up what we are going to be talking about today than um, getting to hear from Karen. But I want to introduce myself in case we have not had a chance to meet. I'm Andrea Isaacs, and I want to welcome you again to Hope City Church. Thanks for letting us be a part of your Mother's Day experience, those of you who are here today. Uh, my husband, Jason Isaacs, is the pastor, um, and Hope City Church is one church, but we are in two locations. And so we, uh, if you're in this room right now, you're at our South Louisville location, but we also have um, another location in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. Will you guys help me welcome our Shepherdsville <laughs> location? Hey guys, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Uh, but we're just so glad that you are here. However you are listening to this message, um, however you have found yourselves um, this morning or, or, or hearing this message, um, we're just so glad that we get to spend some time together in God's Word. Um, and we have been in this series the past few weeks called Straight Out of the Old Testament. And uh, maybe some of you are like me and you grew up in church, uh, hearing Bible stories, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, maybe church camp. Um, and you know and you're a little bit familiar with some of these heroes of the faith, uh, but maybe not. And, and that's okay too. Maybe um, when we talk about some of these names uh, and some of these stories, it's brand new to you. And I'm actually, if I can be honest, I'm a little bit jealous because there's something really beautiful about hearing um, some of these stories with fresh eyes, with fresh ears. Uh, but we believe that there is so much encouragement and so much truth that we can draw uh, from these amazing stories of the Old Testament that really happened to real people just like you and just like me. And I always try to remind myself of that um, because, you know, when you're reading these stories in hindsight, it can feel like God is so obvious and so present um, all of the time in their lives, but that that's not true for our lives. And I just want to kind of dismantle that today and remind all of us that God is doing amazing things, just like Karen talked about, amen, that he is at work and that he is showing up in our lives. Uh, but today, we get to talk about one of my favorite Bible stories, um, and, and our main character, his name is Nehemiah. And so um, there are Bibles in front of you. If you want to grab one of those or if you've got maybe um, an electronic version or you brought your own Bible, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, Nehemiah is an entire book. It's its own book. Um, you know that he was pretty awesome if, if he got his own book. Uh, so we, we want to jump in and see what Nehemiah. So if you can find the book of um, Nehemiah, uh, we're going to be hanging out there today. But Nehemiah is going to help us to understand how to deal with discouraging voices in our lives. Anybody got some discouraging, maybe some doubters, some haters in your life? I'm talking about, you know, like those, those, those things that just get to us. And listen, it doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter if you look like you have it all together or if you are a crazy man. Like, no matter where you are on those spectrums, we all have people in our lives or around us who we feel like are hating on us. I mean, that's just the reality, the unfortunate reality. It, 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 is, it is people who are saying things towards us and they think that their cynicism is cute 
or they think that their negativity is somehow appreciated. Maybe, maybe they're just flat out hurtful or nasty. But if we're not careful, we can turn their negative soundbite into our ongoing soundtrack. And it just plays on repeat in the back of our mind. But Nehemiah is going to show us, listen, that discouraging voices don't have to destroy our destiny. Come on. Discouraging voices don't have to destroy our destiny. And so I want to give us a little bit of context today. I'm going to kind of give you the, the, the um, you know, shortened version of the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah. Um, but in order to do that, I want to just remind us and explain the group of people that we're talking about. So there are three synonyms um, that, that this group of people can be referred to. You may have, it's, it's the ethnic group, the Jewish people, sometimes also called the Israelites and also called the Hebrews at different times. But we're talking about the same group of people. This is the tribe, um, the, the, the you know, kind of lineage of people um, who are God's chosen people. So if we say Jewish people, Israelites, Hebrews, we're talking about the same people group. And I, I hope you have a tribe. I have a tribe. I hope you have a tribe. Some of you are South End tribe. Yeah? Come on. Some of you are um, Go Cards. You know, that's your tribe. Some of you crazy Wildcats fans. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a tribe. Uh, but you've got a tribe. Listen, my tribe, I'm just going to claim it today. I, I love this tribe. My tribe is Isaac's. That's my last name, and I am so proud that I get to wear that. Let me tell you what it means to be a part of the Isaacs tribe. We are loud talkers. Yes, okay. We know how to play rook, all right? That's a part of our tribe. Uh, the, the ladies with Isaacs, we know how to make sweet tea and cinnamon rolls, okay? That's what it means to be an Isaacs. Um, but we even say this to our kids. We say, listen, what's your last name? And when they say Isaacs, they kind of, you know, roll their eyes. We say, what's that mean? They say it means you're a leader. Okay, it's a leader. That's something I identify with. And I hope that you have a tribe today. But just like you value and appreciate your tribe and you keep tabs on them. Um, you know, Isaacs, we live all over the place. We live in different states. But we always know how to get a hold of each other. You know what I mean? And when it matters, we show up. We show up. And that's how Nehemiah felt about his people. Okay? He had been removed and not living um, in in with his, you know, crew of people uh, for quite some time. But he still had this deep connection uh, to his um, people, to, to God's people, the Jewish people. And Nehemiah, uh, because of the Jewish history, he was living in captivity during this, you know, section of Bible history. And he served in the king's palace. He was actually the cupbearer. Now, that, that sounds like a simple job, like he just walks around with a tray and a cup is on it. But listen, it is serious business, okay? The cupbearer is the person who tastes the food and drinks the drinks before the king. Just in case anybody got a crazy idea and wanted to poison the king. Okay, so it was serious business. So Nehemiah, um, you know, he had a little bit of, you know, influence, kind of connection to the king. Because he's, you know, literally willing to take bullets, um, for the king, and um, he gets word from some of his homies, from some of his friends, that things have gotten even worse in Jerusalem, which is the kind of homeland of his people, of the Jewish people, of the Hebrew people. And Nehemiah is destroyed and distraught by this information. 
He is absolutely heartbroken. And I know that that can happen um, for, for us sometimes. When I hear news of something going on with the Isaacs, right? And it just breaks me. And I'm, I'm, I'm also a little bit sad that I'm not right there with them. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused or distraught about how to, how to best help. And so the king notices that Nehemiah has been a little rattled, that Nehemiah has been a little bit shook uh, by this news. And the king actually says, you know, like, Nehemiah, what's up? Why are you so sad? And Nehemiah begins to tell him what is going on. And, and here's the news that he received. The Jewish people had already kind of been conquered and dispersed and taken off into these different places. Um, they were scattered all over. And um, what, what had happened was there was nobody left to defend. It, it's just becoming desolate. Jerusalem as a city has fallen. But the news that has just absolutely wrecked Nehemiah is that the walls have been destroyed. And, and here's why I think that's significant. Have you ever moved away from a house and you were even kind of maybe like a ready and okay to move on, but you go back like 20 years later and like it is like bad. Like somebody has left it in bad shape. It's, and you're kind of like, man, what happened Right? Or maybe, maybe even this happens like an old building that you have a memory of and you drive by decades later and like it's literally falling apart. And you're just like, how did this happen? How did this happen, man? And, and for a city, their walls are their line of defense. It's the thing that shows power to the rest of all these other nations. And so there's a lot of kind of metaphorical significance too. Like when the walls have fallen down, like that's the final like drop. That's the final flag of like, you're done, right? And so Nehemiah, a God-fearing man, he gets inspired. We're gonna rebuild the wall. If we ever have a hope of being a people again and coming together, we're gonna have to do some rebuilding. We're gonna have to figure out and let's start with the walls. Let's start with the foundation. And so he gets word out to some of his other uh, friends and, and colleagues who are in, spread out in these other places. And he gets them around this idea, we're going to rebuild the walls. And maybe, just maybe, that's where you're at today. You are at the place where you're like, you know what? It's time to do some building. Maybe you're trying to build a family of faith and you want things to be different than the house that you grew up in and you know that it's going to be hard and you know that it's going to take some time and some effort, but you are ready to get to work and do some building. Maybe you're trying to dig your way out of some debt and you're trying to build a, financial, uh, a financially stable um, you know, bank account Maybe you're trying to build sobriety right now. You know that things have been destroyed. You know that things have been hard. And so you know that it's time to get busy building. Maybe you're trying to build a healthy marriage and be in a committed and faithful relationship. Wherever you find yourself at, you know that the work is big. But I, I want to tell you, what was kind of the trump card for Nehemiah was that what he wanted to build aligned with God's heart. So I just want to encourage you, as you're processing this message today, as you're thinking about this message, 
Maybe start asking yourself, the things that I'm really passionate about and that I'm trying to build, do they align with what God is passionate about? Okay, so this gets us right to where we want to be in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. So he's got all these friends together. They're ready to get to work. And guess what? Right out of the gate, they face some opposition. You ready for it? Chapter 4, verse 1, look what happens. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? If you have your own Bible or um, maybe it's electronic in front of you, I would love for you to underline or highlight, bring the stones back to life. Because I'm just going to give you a little bit of insight to where we're going, but I believe that things can come back to life. Do you believe that today? That things can go back. He's saying it as an insult. He's saying it as an impossibility. But we know today, come on, come on, somebody, that, that things come back to life, right? They, right out of the gate, they face some angry, negative, discouraging haters. They've got people who are like shaking their head, what in the world? And sometimes that's exactly how we feel. That's exactly where we find ourselves. What does she think she's doing quitting her job to try and stay home and take care of those kids? That's a terrible idea. What, wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. You want to go back to college? You know you're not a college kid, right? Like you know that ship has sailed, right? I don't know. You're how old? Maybe you've got people in your life who, who would say, why would you adopt those kids? Do you know what kind of trouble you're bringing on? Why would you spend money to do that? She can't really be saved. I've seen her try. It's never going to work out. Yeah, yeah. We've we've been down this road before. Can you believe that they're going to try and work it out? Like after what he did, there's no way. And people are there to remind us of the impossibility of something. They're there with their, you know, ridiculous, unimportant, not needed commentary. But if we are not careful, we will let their opinions dictate how we move forward. Okay? So this is where the Jewish people find themselves. All right? But listen, I love this. So Nehemiah, again, he gets to kind of rally them again. Like, guys, no, no, no. It's okay. They, don't, they, don't, they have no idea. They don't understand that we have prioritized what God prioritizes. So if you have discouraging voices in your life, that you're trying to figure out what in the world am I supposed to do, the first thing I want to remind you is that you have to prioritize what God prioritizes. Because then Nehemiah gets to stand with a little bit of confidence. He gets to stand with a little bit of, you know what, this wasn't necessarily just my idea. I've got somebody with bigger muscle power than me who's funding this thing. Okay, So if we will prioritize what God prioritizes, it's going to give us a little bit of confidence, you know, because we're not in this thing alone, all right? And I love the Jewish people's response in verse 4. So we're in Nehemiah 4.4. The very first thing that they do, they don't run to Facebook and start uh, passive-aggressively posting about it. They don't tuck tail and then leave the project behind. They don't become paralyzed. Look at what their, their, their line of action is. It says, hear us our God, 
for we are despised, turned their insults back on their own heads. Their very first step was to pray. So that's what we need to do. If you're trying to deal with discouraging voices in your life today, you've got to pray. You have got to pray. And listen, they know that they're not in this thing alone. They have complete faith that what they are putting their hand to is significant to God and that he is going to show up. They're, I mean, the, the, the real perspective is that this group of people, they're not hating on the Jews. They're really saying insulting things to God, right? And so I love that the Jewish people, they kind of be like, God, did you hear them? Did you hear what they were saying? They don't think we could do it. God, you, can, you just got to go ahead and take care of that, God? You got this one? Okay, all right. And they get back to work. They get back to work. It says in verse 6, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. So what that means is they have, you know, gone all around the city and half of the whole entire wall is built. They, they, they've, made it, they've made it around. So listen, I've got, I've got some tools right here. I've got some, I'm not, I'm not a, a total builder, but y'all work with me, okay? So they, they decide, you know what? It's okay. I, I know there's some people hating on us. It's okay. God's got this. It, it's okay. It's okay that there's a lot of mess it's okay that there's a lot happening here. We're going we're gonna to keep at it. And it says in the scripture that they worked with all their heart. The third way that we can deal with discouraging voices, you know what's more insulting than an insult? Being kind, ignoring it, going on with what you had intended to do to begin with. You know what? That's fine. They don't think I can go back to college. That's fine. I'm going to get all A's. That's fine. They don't think that I can make a successful marriage. We're going to go to counseling twice a week. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to keep at it. They don't think that I can fill in the blank. It's fine. I'm going to work at it. All you did was fuel my passion. All you did was fuel my fire. I'm going to work at it with all my heart. You know why? Because I'm prioritizing what God prioritized. And they worked at it with all their heart. Listen, you're trying to get out of debt and you're going to that job every day with that boss that you can't stand. Work at it with all your heart. You're struggling to keep praying for that kid who won't speak to you. And all of your girlfriends have said, you know what, you just need to show them some tough love. Just, you need to just, they'll figure it out. Let them hit rock bottom, it's fine. No, you keep praying with all your heart. You've, you've been to your third marriage counseling by yourself. It's okay. Keep showing up. You keep doing it. You keep doing the work and putting in the effort and the, the faith. It, it, it's going to make a difference. Listen, you're trying to save money and get out of debt and the car broke down again and this thing over. It's okay. Just keep working at it with all your heart. Listen. But I'm going to tell you, it might get harder before it gets easier. And that's what happened to the Jewish people. It says in verse 7, when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, now we've got multiple people. At the start of the chapter, we had like this one guy. Now we've got lots of haters, okay? When they saw that the walls were being repaired, okay, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And sometimes that happens People get frustrated at your progress. That's their 
problem. Not yours. Okay? They got angry. And they plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Most of the time, most of the time, we imagine that people are out to get us. But sometimes, they really might be. Okay? Like, sometimes, there literally might be an employee who is trying to figure out how to sabotage you or whatever. Okay? Sometimes that might be the case. All right? But it still does not give us permission to to not be all that God has asked us to be. Does that make sense? Okay? So, listen, I love this. Guess what our fourth line of defense is? It says in verse 9, but we, anybody see it? Prayed to our God. Our fourth line of defense is to pray again. Pray again. They come right back and they bring it to God. And it says, and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I'm going to try and make this point very quickly. I, I, there is so much power in prayer. But there is also power in continuing to work and being on guard. It is not passive to be a Christian, to be a believer. It requires tenacity. It requires standing guard. It requires us to be ready at all times. Okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, what do you have? Okay, God, let's do this thing. And that's why I got to keep praying and I got to keep surrendering to, to whatever God is asking me to surrender. Like, I'm ready. Does that make sense? Okay, we're on it. We, we've got this thing, okay? And it says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, but it costs energy for us to stand our guard. And that may be where some of you are at today. You're like, Andrea, I have been fighting for my marriage. I have been trying to dig out of debt. I have been trying to, to get uh, better in my career and, and further my education or whatever the thing is. And you're saying, I, I, I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. My strength, I have been working at it, and I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Look at what happens. They, their strength was giving out. This is verse 10. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. This is where Karen was at in her hope story. I'm looking around at all the brokenness, at all the rubble, and I'm saying it can't be done. It's too much. And look at what Nehemiah does, okay? Okay. In verse 11, it says, before they knew it, we will be right there among them and kill them. So this is them plotting. Okay, verse 13. Nehemiah says, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by what? Can y'all see that? What's that word? By families. Okay. Katie, Allie, will you guys come up here for just a second? Okay, so I've been building my wall, but I have an exposed place right here, okay? That's where I'm vulnerable. That's where I am going to get in trouble, okay? Let me explain what an exposed place is. It's the place in your marriage that if anybody finds out about it, you think it's going to take you out. It's the secret addiction to alcohol. It's the affair that nobody has talked about. It's the angry temper that you've kept under control except for in your home. It's the lies that you've been telling at work to fudge the books. It's whatever that thing is that you know, if this gets exposed, I'm in trouble. 
I am in trouble. Okay? But Nehemiah had so much wisdom to say, well, I I don't expect you to do it alone. Guess what? I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to give you a family, and you're going to do it together. Okay? So here's what this looks like practically. Katie has a secret struggle with alcohol, and she's weak, and she's ready to throw in the towel, but God gives her family. This is, these are literally sisters, okay? And, and they're my family. This is my cousin. How cool is that? But sometimes it's church family. Sometimes it's a growth group. Sometimes it's a next-door neighbor. Sometimes it is your actual literal family. But what happens is I say, okay, Katie, you're feeling weak. That's okay. I've got you. I've got you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be standing guard for you. I'm going to hold you accountable. It's okay, Katie. We're positioned in a family together. And then watch what happens. Can you grab this one and switch places with me? I start struggling. My marriage is on the fritz. I've, I've got some things I've got to deal with, and, and I'm on the brink, and, and I'm losing it. Guess what? I get to come and be the one that's protected and guarded, and I've got people who will stand in the exposed places with me. Y'all seeing this? Okay? I've got a family that's willing to say, yeah, it's okay. We're together. When you're weak, I'll be strong. When you're strong and I'm struggling, I'm going to lean into you. Here, you can hand it back. Y'all can sit down. Y'all give them a hand. We don't have to do this alone. If you've got discouraging voices in your life and you feel like whatever that thing is that you've been working at and trying to build, okay, and you feel vulnerable, you feel like there is an exposed place right here. Oh, my goodness. You've got to get some people who are with you. Amen? You've got to get some people. And this is what Nehemiah says. He says, station them as families, okay, with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, this is verse 14, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I love this, don't be afraid of them. Nehemiah knows they're terrified. But sometimes we need to be reminded, don't you do it. Don't you give in. Don't you be fearful. Come on. Come on. We've got this. Don't you be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's not just speaking like nonsense. He's not blowing smoke. He gets to say, come on, guys. Remember God who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Come on. That's a rally cry right there. Let's do this thing. Let's fight. Let's do this. Come on. We can. We can. The fifth way to deal with discouraging voices is to address the mess. Where is that place that you have been trying so hard to to sneak and hide it behind you? But if you'll bring some trusted people who you know love Jesus, people who you know will keep your confidence and say, come here, I need to show you something. I need to show you this right here. Will you help me deal with my mess? you got to address the mess, okay? You've got to address the mess. And listen, this is what happens, okay? As we close out today, verse 15 is so beautiful. Listen, I'm going to read a couple scriptures, a couple verses to us, and we'll close it out. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. 
From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields. Sometimes you've got to have workers and sometimes you've got to have fighters. Okay? Sometimes you've got to have people who are, who are over here saying, yes, I'll help you build this ministry. Yes, I'll help you. Let's, I'll go to financial peace with you. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have some people who say, I've got your back. I'm praying every single day at 12 o'clock noon for your marriage. I have got you. Okay? So some of them are, 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 are going for it. But look at what happens in this verse. Okay? It says, um, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side. I love that even the workers, though, at times had their weapon ready to go. Let me tell you what this means to me, okay? Quite literally, in the New Testament, it talks about the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit, okay? Like, we are supposed to be positioned to, to, to be ready to go. Like, let's do this thing, okay? So sometimes I'm over here working with this hand and fighting with this hand. Here's what that looks like. Sometimes I'm washing dishes and listening to a sermon on my Alexa because I need to be fighting with this hand. Sometimes I'm changing diapers with this hand and, 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 I'm, and I'm praying over here so that I don't lose my mind raising fortune. You know what? You see what I'm saying? Okay. I, I'm working and I'm fighting. I'm working, I'm, do, I'm putting my hand to something productive that God is calling me to. I'm prioritizing the things that God wants me to prioritize. And if you're wondering what that is, let me just give you an insight. New, the New Testament says that true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. That's something God prioritizes. Here's some other things God prioritizes. He's in love with his bride, which is the church. God prioritizes this place. Because these, we are his people, okay? It, God prioritizes us being generous and loving and kind towards others, right? God prioritizes family units staying together and being committed to one another, okay? You got to be able to work with one hand and be spiritual and fighting and holding on and, and willing to do whatever it takes with this hand, Amen. And here's where it is. Here's where we want to end today. This is it. This is our final, final reminder. In verse 20, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Amen. The sixth line of defense against discouraging voices in our lives is to remember that God is fighting for us. God will fight for us us. He will fight for us. I'm praying. I'm prioritizing. I'm working at it. But at the end of it all, I know, I know that God will fight for us. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. God, I thank you so much for the reminder of family today. God, I thank you so much that we don't have to be in this thing alone, but God, that you will fight for us. God, I pray for every single person here today 
who is ready to throw in the towel, who is discouraged, who feels like their strength is giving out. God, I just pray that you lift their hearts and their spirits right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray those of us who feel like we don't have family who will stand with us. God, I pray that you will begin to make it obvious that the friends and the church family and and the people around them who will support them, who will stand with us. God, I just pray that you are doing something so significant right now. Father, that you would give us a renewed passion to fight for our families and our sons and our daughters, God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, God, that encourages us. God, we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.